microphone and we bought it took it through the register yeah hello and welcome Hi. to the show everyone we bought a mic oh wait i'm still holding the guitar i am your host and uh chief creative content executive ernest calderon i am uh your host and director which is the highest stage on the film set hunter mobley that's bullshit i'm your host and i'm the executive media strategist llc drew <laughs> I, th- I think the more words you have in your title the more important you yeah, are it's yeah, like you... mother of dragons hey we titles, left someone out titles, titles. i'll, I'll someone introduce else. you um right now okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a change we have our first guest on the show already ep two and we have our first guest guys is it's a bold moving, move, is but we're a little too quick. Like, are things we're bold kind of guys? One uh, thing is for sure, he better deliver. Yo, I'll <laughs> deliver all the way. You know, I'll bring that pizza within thirty minutes. Thirty minutes or less. It's our boy. <laughs> Shit movie, but Thomas. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How you doing, Thomas? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. But welcome to We Bought a Mic, the first <laughs> official guest. Yeah, man, it feels good. Uh, you know, just here to deliver on that music topic today. You know what I'm saying? How does it feel to have an audience of literally dozen? <laughs> Tens of dozens. Like Tens, of Ten or dozen. Like donuts. Here at the We Bought a Mic podcast, we talk about the latest in the film, TV, cinema, music, all, all things screen. Amiibo. We're, we're, we're Amiibo. carnivores of uh, media. Blu-ray releases. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to come up sometime. I'm surprised it hasn't yet. If you guys want a talk and switch episode, like I'm ready. I'm ready. Same with Talk and Heed, my uh, co-heed yeah, podcast. Yeah, actually, good, I- good idea. Like, we need to talk no. about video games. Yeah, oh, but not oh, not really. those. <laughs> not Talk and Switch and not Talk and Heed, because that'll just be the Hunter episodes. Yeah. Well, we could each have our own, like, central episode where we talk about our specific things. Like, console. I, just, I don't know if I could stomach a Coheed episode, though. Oh, it'll be great. It'll I'm be, we'll get, we'll get a co host. That'll be the podcast that I start up with make uh, it Colin like, Goody. Make it prog the... rock and I'll do it, but not just them. <laughs> I need, like, some rush peppered in. I'll gladly sit out of a Coheed episode. Oh, no. <laughs> you guys are all forced to do it. That's what. Are we allowed to sit out? Is like, is we that, each get, do we all have to be on every single we episode? We each get one hard pass per season. Whenever our season ends. Just one. Yeah, only one. And we're both going to use it on the Coheed, and it'll just be Hunter on that episode. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not opposed I'll to that. I'll talk idea. into the void. I'm it's going to be an extra long one, like a four and a half hour episode. That's, yeah, like a and double And that'll lap. be the one that like some exec listens to. They're like, whoa, that kid's incredible. <laughs> I'll be the real. He, he runs his wow. own one-man podcast? He's hired. Man, his voice bounces off the walls like he's having a conversation. <laughs> he's like talking to himself. I'm he's doing voices for it. each person. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to bring you some a uh, little bit of movie news. I wanted to talk about the new Blade Runner movie and the trailer that just got released for it. Oh, and shit. then the upcoming slate of, uh, you know, fall TV, all these new shows, returning shows. Get excited for fall TV season. Have we all it's seen the, the trailer for Blade Runner? No, nope, okay, I, I have not. I've seen honestly. the one that's been playing in all the theaters, you know. Yeah, no, that's the one that I saw too. That's what, because you were going to probably talk about how you don't like watching trailers, right? Yeah, I wanted to bring up how I'm not going to watch trailers. So, audience, I know this may sound sound redundant, but I don't like watching trailers. Like, I I don't don't like me. Yeah. (laughs) 
really, I like. Uh, sometimes I watch the very first trailer that comes out. The theater that the trailer that they show in movie theaters, and that's that's enough for me. Like I already knew I was gonna go see Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then seeing that first theatrical trailer, I was like, I'm good. I'm going regardless. I don't need to be exactly. enticed anymore. Well, said. I don't need you to reveal any more information that's actually going to happen in the movie. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I think trailers are interesting in the. I don't know, point of perspective as an experience in the movie theaters when you're just trying to hear what everybody else is saying around That's you. the only time wow, I like yeah. watching them. That's some yeah. good insight. Yeah. I, I guess it is important to the movie going experience it, to have that time to just like yeah. chill and it's hang always, out. It's always really funny when like you hear everyone just being like, well, that sucks. Yeah, being, yeah. Yeah, being right. like a two trailer. minute movie critic just like yeah. going through. And I mean, ready. I feel like that's the same reason we go to YouTube to see the comments of those Yeah, yeah exactly. Those the cesspool of yeah. Yeah. comments. Which, if you don't want to watch a trailer that gives too much away, you can just literally go to any Reddit post of a trailer and the top comment will be like, wow, no, give too much away. Yeah, like, I don't want to watch this. Like, I'm really happy that I never watched the trailers, like the later trailers for Spider-Man because going into seeing Spider-Man Homecoming, I didn't know that he had like a special suit. Like, there were so many things that I heard were revealed in the trailers that I'm, I'm happy. I was, I enjoyed it more not knowing anything about what was the actual plot of that movie was going to be going into it. How would I have known that the Andrew Garfield movies are better? You know, like it was great to be surprised by that where you're like, wow, this is so good. One 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 thing I enjoyed uh, about Tom Holland's performance as opposed to Garfield is Tom Holland just made it fun. Like even his whole persona outside. of It wasn't emo Spider-Man. Yeah. Like Tom or uh, Garfield was all like, it's it's such an honor to play Spider-Man. It's (laughs) such a respected role. Which Uh, I'll say uh, real quickly. I just like last week watched Spider-Man 2. I always forget like how great that movie is. Like it's my first or second. Like it's one or two for me for favorite superhero films ever. To me, I just love the fucking video game for PS2. Oh my god, <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Yeah, yeah, that game is amazing. Dude, is that the one that you always played? Nice. It was uh, like the funniest thing I've ever seen. The sound bites were like Spider-Man <laughs> will just like talk to himself while he's swinging around. He's like, "Man, I really blew it with Mary Jane back there." <laughs> yeah, I love that commentary. Yeah. And and yeah, and then like if you run into people, they'll all be like stereotypical New Yorkers. Yeah. What'd you get your license? A cereal box? <laughs> no, I like the mini game where you have to deliver pizza and it plays the fucking like <laughs> I don't know that one like Italian song that you know in cartoons oh stereotypically they yeah. just like play it on some like I don't know wind up box exactly, and the monkey's yeah. dancing to it I mean replaying that game I realized that it doesn't quite hold up in terms of like graphics or yeah not quite it was they're really bad it was pretty ahead of its time as far as like an open world game was it was such a satisfying it looked really good at the time period of playing it very satisfying experience Mary Jane's face is like a box and you're like oh fuck yeah <laughs> Let me see that. <laughs> Damn, girl. <laughs> Have we said everything we want to say about the Blade Runner trailer? I mean, about how we're not watching it. <laughs> yeah, like how we sidetracked to Spider-Man Two. I mean, I all I wanted to say is that I'm really excited for this movie, and I don't want anything like to be spoiled. I mean, the way I look at spoilers is any image from the film is basically a spoiler. Yeah, you're giving away like. The imagery is what I'm there for. You know, I, I don't want it to be. Seen. Yeah, I will say from the trailer, the biggest thing I noticed is that it looks less like a noiry type thing. It looks more like a big movie movie, like yeah, a, movie like a standard. Movie. But it looks really good, but just more like a movie instead of like that specific stylized version that it used to be, which I feel like is fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see what happens with it because, of course, you see, I mean, just a tale of the times of making a movie now in 2017 is just like as opposed to when the original Blade Runner was made, is that it's 
so many wide shots of really like mass like landscapes and stuff. I mean, the actual urban shots, which were like the main iconic thing from the first Blade Runner film, are still looking really good. But you have shots where it's like really orange and you just see all these like this vast like desert almost looking place. Yeah, it really seems like uh, Denis Villeneuve, the director of this film. Villeneuve is doing a really good job of creating something new while still adapting a legacy property like Blade Runner because mm. that's what all movie studios are trying to do nowadays like they just want to have that branding that people recognize to in, in order to be able to sell the film you know we don't necessarily need a Blade Runner sequel I think everyone is pretty happy with the way that first film is yeah but it's gonna happen because that's what Hollywood is doing now I mean, they're just remaking everything so just the fact that this is one of those inevitable cash grabs it's it looks like it's gonna be good Gosling is a rightful heir I hope so. I mean, it seems like it might be. They actually also, they released a short film starring Jared Leto just today or yesterday. It's like really? a sort of prelude um, sort of deal mm. with his character. I don't know if I want to see it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I mean, I never ended up watching the little like movie short film that they made for Alien Covenant going in. They actually did a couple. Yeah, I there know were they multiple. Did. There like, were two yeah, or three like little yeah. episode things. Thomas, did you see Alien Covenant? I did see Alien Covenant. <laughs> I didn't because I thought Prometheus was ass, and I'm not interested anymore. I I'm not gonna lie. I really, better. I really like Prometheus. I like Prometheus more than Alien Covenant. There, to be it, perfectly it looks honest. really cool. The world building is cool. Every character is a fucking idiot, and they're supposed to be the smartest <laughs> yeah. people on Earth. Yeah, I mean, I, Alien I Covenant doesn't get past, that. get past that either. But neither, exactly, neither do heard. the original Alien movies for the most part. I mean, yeah, but Sigourney. Well, the best part, I mean, the thing is, the differences in the first Alien movie, everybody behaved like idiots, but they weren't the best scientists in the world. They were just some guys who were out there. I don't even remember. Uh, they were like just out. It was in a space. colony. Colonists. It was a colony yeah. of, of yeah oh. of couples. Like yeah. the whole point yeah, was that but they, they were weren't like colonize. super soldiers or anything. I mean, they, like, kind yeah. of shit just like their that. main goal was to get them to like I don't know uh, inhabitable planet. No, well, I'm talking about in the yeah. first Alien movie. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Okay, in the first Alien movie, they're like space truckers. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is yeah. like they're not super it's people, like but they all behave ship. like idiots, and it's more forgivable because they're not genius scientists <laughs> yeah it's just it's an easy it's like they couldn't come up with a really smart way to kill smart people so they just killed a bunch of idiots because that's easy to write for oh they don't wear their spacesuits and they all die exactly it's, it's a it's a good excuse to just make like good horror move horror movie tropes that are gonna work because people are stupid but then it also makes you think that even if they are experts they're still human and they're still gonna make mistakes yeah, there's a they level of excusability. You, I mean, I, I'm, it's not like I completely hated it. I just not, I'm not interested anymore. Oh, I didn't think the movie was that great. Uh, I thought Alien Covenant overall was a subpar, like Prometheus it, it sequel, quasi Alien prequel. Like it didn't commit to either of those. And that's roles. that's the fault of it is that it went back and forth between trying to be like a true sequel to Prometheus and exploring the whole idea of. Um, David creating the alien, but then it also wanted to pay service to the classic alien, aliens vibe of like big action things, which Prometheus wasn't any of that at all. It was like Ridley Scott got the note that they needed more big action, like set pieces with the alien. He was like, all right, I'll just sprinkle that into my new story. Yeah. Cause I actually thought that 
the stuff that was a true sequel to Prometheus with the David on David stuff. Spoiler for Alien Covenant, I guess. Whatever. We're How like, dare right, you? If you, if you I'm vividly seen describing the plot. Just but told you I haven't seen it. <laughs> I thought that the David on David scenes were by far the best part of Alien oh, Covenant. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, Michael... Fassbender on Fassbender. Yeah. Fassbender, yeah. Michael Fassbender, you know, when he makes out with himself... Yeah, I thought like, it was, that was all one needed. of the greatest moments of uh, <laughs> cinema this year. Birds okay. with one stone, you got two great characters yeah. right there. <laughs> also, just seeing that you know those two characters on like sharing the frame. Yeah, you know you you don't doubt for a second that it's two completely different personalities, mm-hmm. even though they're played by the same actor. All right, let's move on to our other little bit of um, movie TV talk the upcoming fall TV season and some new shows coming out, some returning shows. I wanted to bring up the recent trend of comedians um, such as Glenn Howerton and Adam Scott and even Andy Daly who are being cast for, who are being cast for these roles on network TV on regular broadcast um, shows who could have been doing a lot better had they stayed at their respective, uh, cable shows yeah. Yeah, but what you're better in terms of how good the show is not in terms of how much money they're making if you sign a network deal you're making a lot more money than you would have and you're yeah. getting a lot more viewers than you would have yeah that is a good point so they're making good career moves but their shows are probably gonna suck yeah so we got ghosted starring craig robinson and adam scott gonna be premiering on fox looks like a uh, a cool you know sort of sci-fi comedy yeah, no. type deal okay i just pulled up the plot it's a skeptic and a genius true believer, the X-Files, in <clears throat> uh, the paranormal who are recruited by an organization called the Bureau Underground to investigate a series of unexplained activities. So it sounds like it's like a mix of X-Files and like Ghostbusters kind of. Exactly. But a lot more modern and starring two very funny people. Like these guys are obviously very talented. They're both you know? great. It yeah. really, probably going to check the show out. So it's directed by Jonathan Kreisel, who directs essentially every Absolutely show. Like Review, Nathan For You, right. uh, all the Tim and Eric oh, stuff damn. he's done. So he's a good director. He's directed the most episodes of Portlandia out of anyone. And this show is on Fox, which has a good uh, track record with comedy, just mostly from FX. But if yeah. they transfer that, like, I mean, it'd be cool. Like, I'm, I hope that it's really good, just so that it can be like a major television, like actual network, as a great show. It's, I mean, it still happens from time to time with comedies, but it's rare, especially like. Ever since NBC, Fox hasn't. What's the last? What's the last big Fox comedy show that wasn't on oh FX? Boy. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. And, yeah, and New Girl, but those are yeah, both those were two massive. big shows. The you know what I miss though is NBC's old Thursday night lineup when they had Thirty Rock and The Office and Parks and Rec. That's insane. And Community sometimes yeah. they yeah. they were switched to that day one time, but that was unreal. And I just feel like every network is not going to meet that level anymore because comedy is kind of migrating to more niche markets like Netflix and like FX. Yeah, even what Louie is doing over at FX is sort of becoming the staple model at this point with everyone trying to get this deal where they write, direct, and star in a show that they have almost complete control over. Like Louie hasn't come back for a new season in almost two, three years Yeah, and just because fine. he doesn't feel like it. They said it's fine too. Okay, so the next show that follows this pattern is uh, AP Bio. Starring Glenn Howerton of... Um, Always Sunny. I, I can't I tell... I totally blanked on the character's name. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Reynolds. Dennis, Dennis Reynolds, sorry. Who recently in the last season of Always Sunny, just like season finale, just announced he's like, I'm leaving. Yeah. I mean, that would be sad if he left that show. He's my favorite character on that oh, show. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dennis is incredible. The Dennis system... 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, but the reason he's so good in that show is kind of the reason I don't know if this show is going to be good because I feel like he's only like he's best in like a really fucked up like sociopathic style Just character. And I don't niche. think a network like NBC would kind of support the star of a show being so unrelated. No way. No. Just being a sociopath so, like yeah, this is. And like I heard recently that The Mick is good starring uh, Caitlin Olsen who plays D. And the reason is that she essentially is playing the exact same character, where she is like a total yeah, asshole. I, she has become D. So it depends on how he's how his uh, role is cast, how the writing is of the show, I guess. I trust him, though. I mean, he's really funny. He never gets roles, really. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he even auditioned to be Star-Lord. He came very close, and he lost out to Chris Pratt. Which is probably for the best yeah um, chris <laughs> pratt seems a bit more charismatic seeing a bit yeah since we only know dennis as a literal sociopath yeah seeing him out there and be like i don't trust star wars movies yeah, exactly <laughs> he's gaming her who's this peter okay the deuce is coming to hbo and really I've excited heard for the really deuce. good i've heard amazing things yeah about really it. good things about this pilot it's all basically a film uh the deuce is about the porn industry blowing up in new york in the 1970s Stars James Franco, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Made by David Simon. Whoa, okay. The Wire fame. That's crazy. Hearing good things. I'm excited to check it out. Also, HBO is coming out with Barry, starring Bill Hader in his first like real starring Mm -hmm. role as um like a hitman that has to go to a small town or something. But it's his first vehicle just for Bill. Right. I'm so excited for that. I'm excited for Stranger Things season two. I think it hopefully improves on that great first season. Um I think at this point, that first season's kind of getting blown up out of proportion. I thought People it was are, getting blown out of proportion, like while, while like I mean, yeah, I you're right. It, yeah. I watched it before yeah. it actually became like a huge internet sensation, but I still thought, like, I thought it was really good, but it could have been something. Better, I mean, well, it's good which, and it has mass appeal, which is more important. Yeah, that's anyone the thing, can watch that show. It's a little it's bit good. too much of like fan service. It's, it's the like most a Frankenstein sort of thing, a combination of all of these. It is, yeah, yeah it is yeah, all old these '80s properties. '80s nostalgic. It is a very member properties show, kind of. You know, <laughs> oh shit, I it works. The... Um, okay, so now we should move to what we've been watching. It, that's enough for what we're going to watch. Let's talk about the future. Of wait, the, of well, the, the past, the, the present. Past. That's <laughs> let's talk about the past. Well, speaking of the very the past recent and past, the present, how about Brand Stark transition? Oh, okay, guys, <laughs> we just saw the Yo, I love last H- episode. I love HBO's Ballers, it's my favorite show. <laughs> the finale of Game of Thrones season seven. What'd you think? I really liked it. I, uh, I agree. I thought. You know, my expectations for the show have been lowered so much at this point that them churning out a pretty good episode felt great. Uh, It's not a perfect episode. It's far from Game of Thrones best work, but they pulled off um, coming up with this ridiculous plan (laughs) of bringing a zombie white to Cersei just to have all these characters in the same location at the same time. It was cool to see them interact, but uh, didn't make a lot of sense that this... Yeah, that's worked. the problem is that it was nice having all those characters there, but still deep down you had to think about like why they were all together. And I mean, it led to some amazing scenes between characters that we haven't seen meet up together in like Yeah, seasons. just people talking. That's all I wanted. Just people talking. I I, I think the, that <laughs> yeah, the dragons and the zombies and the flaming swords, like they look really cool. They're very impressive effects, but if you don't have actors just performing and in, in, in giving you these great scenes of character development, 
it doesn't mean anything and um it did, doesn't feel did right. you see that a couple weeks ago while rick and morty was airing you know how they do the little between that was that was segment? this past weekend yeah they did one and it said like rest in peace game of thrones is writing 2011 to 2017 yeah which or of 2016 course, did they 2000, technically say no it, it said 2017 okay but um, I mean, regardless, uh, Justin Roiland and like the Rick and Morty Twitter page had to tweet out just like, "Hey, that wasn't us. We had no idea that was even happening." Yeah, like, we're big fans. Don't of yeah, don't come at us. I mean, I think it's a it's a solid dig at Game of Thrones. It's been subpar writing this year. Yeah. I mean, I thought that I'd say that this is probably my second favorite episode of the season, which I mean is saying something because there were some really good episodes, but I felt like this. Season finale, it didn't mend all of the issues, but at least it gave you some kind of gratification. Thomas, are you caught up on Game of Thrones no, or watching I haven't, it at all? I haven't watched hey, it. Hey, don't all. worry. <laughs> you, like, the yeah, you joined Drew because Hunter and I are the only people at this table that <laughs> yeah. have seen Sick. the show. So it's fine. So Half you guys can just. I don't it. mind listening. Freaking Bran? And then the dungeon? It was like, what? No, I think that. Uh, I, it doesn't really like excuse all of the problems I had with the Sansa Arya scenes this year, but it was nice to know that it actually did have some kind of a bigger meaning. I just thought it was that whole plot was just kind of overdrawn. It was just like, well, we gotta have something to write for the Stark girls to do while John's off fucking Daenerys. Yeah, basically, and... these uh, these Stark kids, you know, if you count Bran and the trio, they've kind of been sidelined into this. B story this season that ended up being just a way to uh well actually I don't know if I want to spoil not, this let's not spoil it yeah case, yeah it did there is this past week well then oh, we should just move on it is the final like show that everybody is watching on television yeah After this ends, I did I did I, I was thinking about talking spoilers on the podcast but hang on hang on man we should let's move on to Rick and Morty <laughs> Um, so we just watched the newest one. I think it may have been my favorite of the season. So yeah, the great. newest episode of Rick and Morty's titled um, "Rest and Ricklaxation," and it's probably the best episode of the season so far because it has it explores uh, Rick's and Morty's characters very deeply and gives us all this nuance into what makes them um, yeah. so uh, fleshed out. Like it really breaks down how these. Uh, are some of the best characters in on TV right now. Yeah. You know, it gives How you deep their characters truly are. It gives you that, that sense of duality as, as to what makes them good people and bad people. Yeah. The last two episodes, they've kind of put the whole Jerry Beth divorce subplot kind of on the back burner compared to the beginning of the season. So the episodes have been, I think funnier, but having less uh, like full season arc involvement. Well, it's good that they have more than one story going on, too, I think. Oh, yeah. That way, I don't know, they could at least concentrate on character development a little, like, a little more despite the fact that they'll probably just go, like, it's all a joke (laughs) at the last episode. Thomas, how much of the new season have you seen? Uh, I mean, I've seen, like, I remember the first episode, which aired a while ago in summer. Then I think the, of course, <laughs> there was the Mad Max episode. There was Pickle Rick. And then the other one I saw was The Vindicators. And that's... So you've seen most of the, the season. Yeah. yeah. All but the so, last two. Yeah. I oh. mean, I think that they're really trying to find, like, a fine line in between having an overarching plot this year, which is something that they've never done, and also still having just a plot device just for that single episode that's satisfying and doesn't feel like it's building towards 
some larger plot. Ooh, I'm louder now. Ooh. Yeah. I liked the Mad Max episode because I liked how in the, the Morty's subplot, like it was directly relating back to his issues with his dad where, you know, he grew this super freak arm and he was just <laughs> taking all his anger on Jerry on people. Yeah. That I th- I thought that was really cool that they managed to get jokes out of something that still relates. It's not just completely irreverent, even though like we were just watching the one where the, the whole B plot is Jerry Barry. <laughs> which is an unbelievable yeah that's Such one of the funniest episode. things i've seen in my life um, yeah that's probably one of my favorite what, episodes of the series what'd you guys sure. think of the jerry and rick episode this year came out two weeks ago i've been waiting for it and i'm glad it happened okay thomas hasn't seen this one so i don't want to talk too much I about mean, it I'll, but I'll it's watch it it's after. a great great episode i thought it was it was i really wanted up there my favorite it's been hard to see like what is my favorite episode of the season because I just I loved Vindicators because it was like the most classic Rick and Morty style where it's just mocking of Marvel films and shit like that. Yeah, genre parody. Yeah, it didn't really relate that much to the overall arc. Yeah, but I also love the way that like Pickle Rick was. You see Rick as a pickle fucking everything up, and then you also see like the family going to counseling together. That was the most stark one where the A story and the B story, like one is like super psychological, and the other one's like the opposite. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm fucking shit up. Yeah, a pickle in like a diehard scenario. I don't know. I just like the whole detail of him like trying to gain traction as a pickle, (laughs) just like tearing off the limbs of rats. Yeah, yeah. The the scene where he he attacks the rats and just dismembers them. I love that. He just yeah. He goes all in. That was a great app in general. It's good to just watch Rick as disadvantaged as he can possibly be. Yeah. That that was the most disadvantaged we've ever seen him. So does that mean that we're on episode seven? Of like this week is gonna be episode seven. The out new of, one? Yeah. Yes. Out so of, we're already out of ten. Yeah, we're already almost over the season. Yeah. It's sad. Wow. And then what, another year and a half? <laughs> a year and a half. Oh, I just really quickly, I know nobody nobody else is watching it, and you really should because it's the best thing on television this year. But this Twin wa- Peaks. this last week's it's, episode It's Twin Peaks, guys. Episode sixteen of Twin Peaks, the return. God damn it. So good. It's up there. It's probably like top three episodes of the season so far. Just really satisfying. And mm. how many? Because this season, it's really an true ensemble cast. Save that, it for your solo up. Okay, we're just gonna quickly. I mean, it's we're talking about <laughs> no, fall TV right now. Um, you know, he might sell me on it. No, it's it's amazing. He it's, doesn't need to sell you on it. It's a great show. I know. It's but literally you're watching an 18 hour. Epic I need to film. get coaxed out of my bit of hating David Lynch. I guess. Is it worth it? It's not. I mean, is it? And I will say, I mean, you get more satisfaction out of watching like the original show and then watching it, but you definitely don't have to watch the original show to appreciate. I'm trying to watch the original show right now. I mean, I would recommend it. Yeah. But it's a totally new story. It's it's unlike anything you will ever watch on television. Like it, you're watching it and you're like, how is this even being made? Like, this is some shit that you see in, like, an art house film. Like, this shouldn't be on fucking Showtime. <laughs> well, All right, so is there any other TV stuff you guys want to talk about before we move on to the music segment? Really quick, then. I've been watching Billy on the Street a lot as just a show to have in the background. It's on Hulu. It's originally on True TV. Um, it's so funny. It's a lot funnier than I... Like, when you watch a whole episode, it's better than the YouTube clips. Because I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it through They're YouTube. They're full, like, 30-minute... Yeah, uh, it's full. 23-minute, yeah. where they have... Especially seasons four and five, they have an actual cable writing staff. So the quality of the bits goes up so much. And then Billy's just consistently funny, where he can pull any reference out of his head. He's not afraid to say anything to anyone, and he's really quick. So if you like watching people uncomfortable in the street... <laughs> 
Um, and it rewards you for knowing stuff about pop culture, which if you do, you're like, well, why do I know all this stupid shit? <laughs> it's because you can watch Billy in the Street and you get it. It's like he's a walking people magazine. That's your demographic, specifically you. <laughs> it is. I'm glad that he's getting a lot of work. Like yeah. I've seen him pop up on a lot of things. He's even in the new season of American Horror Story. So, all right, really quickly, then I'll bring up Dirk Gently. I just finished season one, which actually aired last year, uh, but season two is about to premiere this year. Um, it's a show created by Max Landis of uh, Chronicle fame and the internet fame, honestly. Like... Yeah, he tweets a lot, but it's probably the best thing he's done. This is a show based on the Douglas Adams property, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and this show just goes full wacko ridiculous. You've got insane shit going on. Makes sense. He's the most manic person in Hollywood. Yeah, there's Literally. stuff in this show that I don't even understand. Who agreed to make this? <laughs> like, it's made by BBC America, so obviously they're you know more willing to make weird stuff than any net uh u.s network but still man like there's some stuff in this show that's like what this is so weird yeah i've been meaning to watch that show it's just yeah, if you ever get around to it, it's only eight episodes it's up there with like the leftovers and other shows that like i just need to up there with up the on. left okay dirk gently's <clears throat> good but <laughs> it's, it's no the leftovers good but where the fuck is twin peaks on your list of things okay. to catch up i'm on. like halfway done with it Oh, through the original series. Yeah. Well, a little more than halfway. Cause Leftovers is better than Twin Peaks. I'm about to leave this Dude. pod right now. I'm about to drop. We dropped the mic. It is. You don't oh. know about the Leftovers. You haven't seen I've enough. seen like How 12 much have episodes. You seen? 12? Oh, okay. Two episodes into season two. Okay. So you're about to get to the good no, stuff. No, I mean, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed everything that I've you, seen so far. If I'm you not watch knocking a, the leftovers If you watch anyway. a couple more episodes, your your mind is going to be blown. <laughs> Calvin. Before we get to our music segment uh, with our boy Thomas, we're going to take a quick break. So here's a little word from our sponsors. Mike, and now time for our main segment of our episode, our first official music talk. So we're going to get into two main topics right here. I know you might have just been listening to this podcast thinking, wait, these guys only do film and TV. No, no, no. You didn't read the subtitle. We are a pop culture podcast. Even though we, mm-hmm. you can find us in the film and TV category... Of you know iTunes. What? That's fuck iTunes. I'm sorry. I love you, iTunes. Don't label don't, me. Don't yeah, take us off. Please of leave us a glowing review. <laughs> I actually know a lot of stuff. iTunes to our <laughs> Apple one overlords. Day. One day we'll talk about all of our iTunes reviews that we made in like high school, thinking that we were going to be picked up as big time music critics. Yeah. Ooh, that's for another <laughs> app. Um, all right. So the first thing I wanted to bring up is some of the albums that we've been enjoying so far this year. Some 2017 releases. 
Um, no list right now. There, I do have some albums ranked in terms of what I might envision my final list to be. But I kind of just want to get right into what we think is some of the best, best stuff that we've heard so okay, far. Okay, well, first... I'm going to go into my two biggest disappointments of the year because I want to hear what you guys think about them. Number one is one we like barely even have talked about because it wasn't on the radar at all. It didn't sell very well. Um, Mac DeMarco. His I name. totally oh, forgot that Mac DeMarco. I forgot, the, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that album exactly. even came out this year. Yeah, I did too. Sad. I've only seen his live performances from songs of that album. Uh, this I, old dog. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of people have been sleeping on that, including me. It's so not. What, what do you think? It's of it? my least favorite. It's your least favorite. Yeah, I don't. No wonder it was slept on. But <laughs> he was already like on the verge of becoming too chill, like just too like Jack Johnson level of like I'm just too calm. I don't care about anything. And I think he kind of reached that level where it's just so slow and know. like nondescript. I felt like two had a lot of exciting songs. Yeah, it's this is a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, it really completes what people have been calling him like the Jimmy Buffett of hipsters, and this completes that like metamorphosis where it's like, Do you care about a single thing, bro? <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be like, you know, a forty year old man or something. Yeah, and he's barely 30. Um, okay, then my other biggest disappointment, less of a disappointment to me, but Phoenix's new album. I'd, I'd agree completely. Whenever uh, coming into this podcast, we were making lists of just some of our favorite albums that we listened to of the year, and I completely forgot about Phoenix, which is sad because I love every album of theirs to date. And this one, it, it wasn't bad. It's just really forgettable, which is even worse almost they did drop some good singles from it though you know i really like goodbye soleil and uh tiamo i think that the best they're ever going to be was wolfgang amadeus i think that that sound in that like period in history that was just like the perfect year for that sound to become a thing and then after that there were all those little sub bands that copied them like two-door cinema club (laughs) cinema club was almost it started as a complete like um just trying to reinvent i don't know i felt like phoenix is also just a conglomerate of lots of early 2000s New York rock, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, evolved into something when they added synthesizers and just started, like, messing more with the concept of electronics and so, just, like, New York rock. What did you think of Bankrupt, then, the album after Wolfgang? I actually only have listened to Wolfgang. Really? I, I really like it. Like, if you, I think that if Bankrupt... If you say you're right. interested in, like, the synth aspect, like, Bankrupt is, like, almost entirely synthesizers. Oh, really? Yeah, it goes in a way different direction. I almost direction. prefer Bankrupt a little bit more to, than Wolfgang Amadeus, because while Wolfgang Amadeus has more, like, the poppy sound, I yeah. really like just how mellow mm-hmm. Bankrupt was, and it was just something that was... It was really... It was. Good. I won't say. I won't say it was epic because I don't quite think that. I would that say scale, but sonically, it was trying to be sonically right honest. Honestly, it was honest. Honestly, sonically, sonic. sonically, it, expansive for it, sure. It was. It had notes and a melody and sing song words. So okay. <laughs> um, I thought in terms of impact though and relevance, Wolfgang was their peak. Like, yeah, that was when they like. Like most people that I knew in high school, not it didn't hit like the radio waves very often, except for like you know specialty XM type radio stations, well, college radio. But of yeah, course, exactly. it it suffered from the same thing that several albums, not a lot of just newer albums in general do, where the best songs are singles. The new one that, or which one? No, I'm talking about the most recent Phoenix album. Yeah, that no, came out it was the, the first just, two songs they put out were the only ones I liked even a little bit. The whole rest of the album, I thought, was like it was filler. just okay. Yeah, it was. Filler it was Phoenix. a lot of filler, which is yeah. sad. 
which kind of leads into another. Uh, I won't say it was a complete disappointment because I still like. I still like the album, but I just thought it could have been more. Was the new Arcade Fire record? Everything now. I still. It had so much potential. Yeah. And I still like really like the album. There's, There's some really, really good, good songs, songs on, on this album. But I really like Put Your of, Money on Me. I just wanted I wanted an hour and fifteen minute yeah. long album, and instead we got forty. I mean, we of we talked Fire. about this on last week's episode of the podcast a little bit, but I think that looking at Arcade Fire's discography. We really expected more from them in They're, terms of what yeah, this album should have been. This is my been. my least favorite of their discog, and then second is Neon Bible. I'd put this a little bit hates. of Neon Bible. I, I actually like Le- uh, Neon Bible. <laughs> Me too. That's what There's I'm saying. There's a couple yeah. good songs on Neon Bible, but I just I, I wasn't I wasn't quite. It was yeah. in between Funeral and Suburbs, and I don't think they quite like polished their sound. I yeah. felt like it was so different between those two albums, and I think it was like the change that was necessary in it that got, transition period. Yeah. It got like, a critical backlash because it was following Funeral, which like every critic in the world loved. Everyone. So, yeah, a lot of bands are just kind of due for a sophomore but, slump. I still think it's really good. I think it's better than everything yeah, now. I like The Well in the Lighthouse. That's like that's a really that's good song. That's a great song. Yeah, um, that's probably my favorite song. So but, <laughs> but everything now... I think about half the songs, they sound like they weren't done mixing them. It sounds like they just didn't finish producing. And usually there's a lot more layers to any Arcade Fire album. Mm-hmm. And there was just a lot of like empty sound where you were just like, well, where's the rest of it? I mean, I feel like you have to think that the band could have felt rushed because it's been, what, 2013 was when Reflector came out. So it's been four years. And they might have just had that feeling of like, well, shit, we're overdue for an album. I guess we kind of got to put something together. And they came up with like half of an album up to, and they yeah. didn't really quite come through with um, everything. Up to this, they had done one every three years because it was 2004, 07, 10, and 13. And they, they might have just have felt rushed. Yeah, I mean, they might have felt a little bit rushed in writing this they album. That they, oh. Reflector, I think, is amazing. Great album. I don't album. think enough people loved it. Side note, today, Clickhole released a video with Wynn Butler of Arcade Fire, and it's fucking hilarious. Oh, what? I haven't watched yeah. it yet. <laughs> What's the title of the video? Uh, it's just, it's like Arcade Fire's Wynn Butler tells you how to write songs, and then it's just like, everything is ridiculous. You know, like, he's he's like, okay, so I'll just play a chord, and he plays a G, and he's like, and that just makes me think of, I don't know, protein powder. <laughs> and then he plays, he's like, and this is a C, and it makes me think of, I don't know, protein powder. <laughs> Every chord makes him think of protein powder. There's another album that I found really disappointing in terms of how much I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Humans, the new Gorillaz record. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I, I will say, I mean, it's definitely probably my least favorite Gorillaz album, but I still really liked it a there's lot. There's some really good songs on it. I just think there's, again, a lot of filler. Um, I have heard a lot of talk from all the people that worked on the album that Damon Album was pushing for this big post-apocalyptic sort of dance party sound that didn't quite resonate with me. I mean, you can... Re- I remember well the marketing that came out with, like, a VR app and all that shit where, like, it, the album dropped a week early if you drove to, like, some location and, like, actually listened in, like, a watch party. Like, there was so much marketing behind that album. And I don't think it was completely successful just because I feel like more than anything else, it doesn't really sound like a gorillas album. It sounds like a compilation album with just, cause almost every single song on that album has features from people, yeah. which leads to some great songs and some great features, but it's not, you don't really get the full Damon Auburn experience aside from his just production. Yeah. yeah. And he chooses um, some strange placements for some of these features. You know, I think, uh, Dram is very underused on this record. Yeah. He should be mm-hmm. bellowing a big, epic, 
a melody or chorus yeah. or something and they have him in the background just mm. sort of I doing, think Andromeda it's yeah, okay he accomplished that on cash out on fun yeah. wave bounces so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> That fucking track. Is uh, that yeah, that album's last year, wasn't it? That wasn't this year. The drum album. That was this, this year. year. Yeah. Really? Quake okay. Bounces, I yeah. I yeah. I gotta have that it on my list. It was a summer too. album, dude. <laughs> Great album. Summer 2017 album. It took um, a while to grow on me. I didn't. I thought that in in the beginning, I thought every song was maybe like 10 beats a minute too slow. But that was kind of what he was going for, I guess. I feel like the latter part of the album like started getting a bit weak at like track six, but then like. I don't know, then feels like sort of rejuvenates it and sort of lets it fade out. <laughs> it's a fun song. Yeah. Um, speaking of bad marketing, though, Hunter, I got to say really quick, I hated Arcade Fire's advertising for everything now. Everything now fidget spinners? Where they sold, yeah, they sold a, a fidget spinner for like $100. They were like, this is you, America. Like, <laughs> we get it. It's And it was so on the nose for exactly. the album not to deliver. If the album did come <laughs> through with being super big and expansive and everything, and might yeah, they just kind of talked but... up a big game because I was like, well, that's kind of annoying. Like, it better be a good fucking album. And it, and it really was – it was good, but it wasn't It was good, great. but it wasn't great. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, but, yeah, Calvin Harris had a really good release. Um, I need to listen to that one more. I know I, I Slide is honestly probably my favorite song of the year. It's a good answer. As far as, like, great just song – just the best single of the year that's going to sell and play a lot of times and also is great. Pretty much every song on that album sounds like Slide. Yeah. Great song, <laughs> but not a lot of variety. I, I will say uh, on uh, on Feels, I actually kind of like that song, but Katy Perry is awful in that song. What? I mean, I mean, I don't I like mean, Katy Perry that fan. much, but I actually like that hook. <laughs> no, it's a good hook. I'm not saying it's a bad album. I'm just saying there's not a lot of variety in terms of what he's I, going for. I feel like a lot of the synthesizer sounds he actually uses. I mean, maybe it's... Yeah, he Calvin Harris is always trying to recreate that disco sound that in every album because it's just been such a huge influence on him. But I think in this album, he actually, I don't know, he actually took his time to find like cool synthesizer sounds, but also like accepting live instrumentation and like sampling on it. Like, I think, I don't know, that fucking, it sounds like a Rhodes, like, piano mixed with an organ on heat stroke with young thug like that, that shit was sick it sounded like some loungy ass he made some cool <laughs> production choices yeah and i don't know i actually really like the album i just need to i know it's an album i need to listen to more because i mean listening yeah. to it like it's one of those albums i mean it gets songs stuck yeah. in your head and prayers is... up featuring travis scott that oh, song yeah, yeah, yeah. dude like that guitar That's line cool. is so fucking sick it is <laughs> so best album of the year to fall asleep to not really a compliment, not really an insult, but Real Estate's new album. Okay, actually, <laughs> I agree. You agree? It was, uh, it was funny. I was actually watching uh, Anthony Fantano's <laughs> review for this he album. He hates them yeah, no, he, so much. Which is, I mean, I actually, I really love the last Real Estate album to call out that uh, came out just because I think it's super, like, beachy and it's just a nice, fun album. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not going to change the world. It's not trying to make a statement, but it's just a nice... Good, yeah, fun Look, if, so it's, like, if it's not like 30 minutes of whales bellowing, then count Fantano out. Yeah, yeah, no, literally. Um, but it's just, it, it's tied for best album to fall asleep to with every Beach House album ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I love Beach House, though. It's just, I do. What's it, a, it's stream pop, so I mean, it just, yeah, you're it's also good to, to study, asleep. too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of in the background, and it sounds good. I will say, what's what uh, disappointed me the most about the real estate album was 
just in the last album, like there were like several songs that were still really catchy and poppy, like talking backwards. And, uh, I think had to hear you was on that. Yeah. Album. They got rid of that. Yeah. They just got rid of like, just <laughs> having any kind of catchiness whatsoever and just total easy going sounds. The only song I listened to that album was the one they made the music video for with the horse. Oh man. It, while they were like, it was a, just a music video where they were just like all dressed in white on a white background. And there's just, <laughs> Oh my God. There's, there's this horse there that just keeps on interrupting them as they're playing music. And, and <laughs> that, I was like, that who, sounds, who came up with this concept? That, it sounds like real estate did. And it, and it's funny. Cause it's like, cause their old drummer left. I remember like during this record or something. And so he's there for like halfway through the music video. And really? Then, like, <laughs> then they have, you fucking recast him. And they have somebody else. That's hilarious. And I, <laughs> I was like, I wonder if this was sort of a transitional yeah, music video. Yeah, this was the something. point. He quit mid music video. Just um, like, yo, fuck this. I'm out. So what album do you want to bring up? Uh, me? I don't know. There are so many albums I love this year. Uh, SZA's Control, for sure. That's a really good one. Yeah, like The Weeknd is one of my favorite tracks off that album. It's one of the smoothest like R&B songs I've heard. Yeah, SZA's past, Control like, is definitely one of my favorite albums yeah. of the year so far. She makes... I, such smooth R&B. Yeah. Did you guys see the thing where Top Dog said they had to like take her hard drive because she she wouldn't like put songs together to make an album, but she had like 200 songs just on her hard drive. That's crazy. Yeah, so she has a lot more just sitting there. Yo, where did you hear that? Like, uh, I know it's Top Dog, but like what source? Uh, she said that. Oh, that really? they had to take her hard oh, drive. Oh, in an interview? Yeah, okay. exactly. Cool, cool, um, cool. Speaking of having a bunch of songs just sitting on deck, Brockhampton. This year, oh they've released two albums already. They said they're going to release a third one by the end of the year. And it's not like like each album is going to get worse because the second one just came out about a month and a half after the first one. And it's just as good. There's no drop in quality. I'd say yeah. it's better. Just like, from, I might, Yeah, exactly. Keep in mind, I've been listening to Brockhampton since we discussed them last week. Oh. And I was like, oh, maybe I should check these. I mean, I'd heard about them before. It's but It's a I really, really good album. It's look. very fun. Already, I'd say Saturation 2 is one of my favorite albums of the year. Like, it's it's just, it's so catchy. It's really trying to tell a story between, um, especially with the guy Abstract, I think is his name. Kevin Abstract. And then, yeah, yeah and then they're... Their best like lyrical rapper is Amir Van. Yeah, Van. Um, he's the one with the lower pitch voice that does. He has a verse on basically every song they do, and then those two together, yeah, they have like really really good sensibilities to combine on songs, and they have like the whole rest of the crew just coming in half the time. Yeah, it's crazy just the beats that are like being brought to the table too. It's like it, there's like lots of these like South Asian scales being used yeah. on these like synthesizers, there's, which are like so cool. It's like, I haven't heard this being implemented into hip hop again. Yeah. There's a video of, uh, they oh, wow. made kind of a documentary for the album they put out last year and it's on YouTube. And it's just, I mean, it's a, as a documentary, it sucks because it's just a bunch of clips of them doing stuff. But like they just all lived in an apartment together in and Texas. Just, that's yeah. awesome. I think it was still in Texas because they go to a Whataburger in it. Yeah, well How they live in LA. They, they sing there's about like Honey Butters. I know that, there's 15 the of them in the whole collective, but they decide to fucking split that apartment all together. It's I don't know. I don't know like, what the living situation was. There's a lot of everyone sleeping on couches and the floor and stuff, but it's not like all of them all the time. Yeah. But it's just like that's just all they did. Like they would just go to this apartment, and they had like f three separate rooms with like full uh, production studios, basically. Oh, shit. And they had like every instrument because they had their producers also are really good at guitar yeah. and stuff. Like that's where all the Asian influence comes. Yeah, I'm guessing from those guys. But yeah, they're they're super good, and I I feel like. I don't know. I don't know how they can't blow up if they're releasing this much quality stuff. I mean, I really hope that they do like get more and more traction with each album that follows just because the best thing about Saturation 2 is you can tell 
they worked hard on every single song in this album. There is no filler in this album. Yeah. Between songs like, uh, I have to pull up the track list here. I think Tokyo is one of my favorite. Junkie is amazing. Uh, Jello is. Jello is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just get stuck in your head like all day. Yeah. I, it's just, and especially, and I love the way they use the little like one minute, minute and a half little songs in there. They're just like one guy just spitting his verse and then it'll have like a quick little like. Yeah. Really maybe. irreverent. It's, it's it's really cool. You I could say really they were have... influenced by the next person I want to talk about. My second favorite album of the year so far, which is Tyler, the creator. Oh, shit. Wait, is Brockhampton your number one right now? No, Kendrick is. Oh, okay. You told me that Tyler was your it's like, number it's, one. No, it's 1A and 1B. I had forgotten about yeah, Kendrick. No, I have the same one and two. I really? think Kendrick is better than Tyler, but they're definitely my two uh, favorite of the year right now. I mean, I just love everything that Tyler put together in terms of just like the composition of his tracks and how much he's actually improved. I mean, you still, he hear, sounds so mature on this record. Not just like him in rapping, his way, because it's like Tyler knows that he's getting tired of hearing his own voice. And so he brought all these people together to like, I don't know, come to life. I mean, bring his own ideas to life, which I think he implemented in the strongest way he could. And he did kind of drop most of like the edge lord shit. Yeah, he's... and then he picked up like talking about his feelings, which it makes better songs. I feel like, and just as a whole project, I like this. Like Brockhampton's two albums are a better collection of singles, like fun singles. But that's a better album because it has a whole. You can listen to the whole thing front to back, and it like it makes sense, kind of. Right. Mm. So is it time to talk about our other favorite rap album of the year? K dot. K dot Kendrick. Mm-hmm. I will say uh, this is probably new kung fu Kenny. This is probably my third or fourth favorite album of his. But I mean, that's his, the same for me. His worst work is still the best album that I've listened to. This it's year. tough ranking his <laughs> albums because they're all so unique and different. Yeah, they really. Are. He goes for a completely different it's, thing each time. I mean, I guess I put Damn a little bit above Section Eighty, but I fucking love Section Eighty. I think Section Eighty is an incredible debut rap album. Grant, he had mixtapes before yeah. that, but overly yeah. dedicated is it's good, but it's not. It like the jump he made between that and Section Eighty is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I mean, um. And I agree that Section 80 is like up there. I think I would put it only behind Good Kid and uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. And yeah. then You'd put it above Damn. J- I would, no, I'll put Damn third and then I would put Section 80. But yeah. It's like, it's really close with all of them. Yeah. It's He's really consistent. TPAB is on. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. To Pimp a Butterfly. It's incredible. Is, it's yeah. a masterpiece. Well, I mean, with every album since Good Kid, he's been trying to tell a story and make a statement which he, with each album. But the way he tells the story in Damn is so creative and cool that there's so many ways to approach it and, and to dissect it in your own way as a listener that he makes an album that people can connect with in a lot of different ways. Yeah. It's instead of telling, it's almost like instead of telling one single story throughout these 14 tracks, he's telling 14 different stories that are all connected and that all relate to each other. Yeah. And they're all make him who Kendrick is. Well, it's funny because he was saying how in this album, he was trying to basically bring everything he's made in the past into one product. So basically the banging beats of like section 80, the storing ta- the storytelling in TPAB. I mean, there's always like storytelling in his albums, but like sort of just converging all those elements, which he thought made those albums good into one product, like getting a lit, a bit more light with the storytelling, but also, you know, delivering something like very charismatic. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't even think it gets, because 
the biggest like jump, well, not jump, but storytelling wise jump that he made between To Pimp a Butterfly and Dam was To Pimp a Butterfly is very social and it's like relating to everyone in society and Dam is very it's very personal no for it's sure a, it's very much about just your own personal struggles and everything which mm-hmm. is really cool to hear a completely different story being told within an like back-to-back albums oh for sure what's weird is that untitled unmastered is up there for me yeah oh yeah i, I totally forgot about so that it's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah i honestly i've always wanted to listen to it but i never did what? Oh, yeah. Thomas! Oh it's, man, you got to. It's so good. Uh, I think it works as a companion piece to to Pimp a Butterfly. It's obviously not as um, good, but the way he presents these songs in such a in such a raw, sort of unfiltered, yeah, um, lens, it's like you're getting a, a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be in the studio with him. Yeah, it's it's really unique, especially, I mean, with the last song, or second to last song, you hear just, like, them in the studio yeah. together, just, like, on a guitar. Yeah, it's, like, it's, these it's ideas cool. that he threw out. That it's, like, almost it the, like you're listening album. to a behind-the-scenes of To Pimp a Butterfly. That's awesome. At first, I thought you meant you were, like, protesting it. Oh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. I, like, I just didn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I wasn't protesting it. I will it. not yeah. listen to <laughs> that garbage. I'm a producer. <laughs> no, no, no. I no. need that shit mastered before I listen to it. Um, Another album I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you guys listened to the new Lord album. Yes. Did anyone catch that? It's oh, yeah. really Heaven. good. Really Produced good. Produced by Jack Antonoff of Bleachers. Of course. Yeah. Our boy. Bleachers oh. boy. Is he our boy? <laughs> Friend of the pod. I mean, we can talk about Bleachers or after we talk about the... I Lord really album. like this Lord album. I wasn't really a fan of the first Lord album, even though Royals was massive. Um, big album. I think that first album is kind of bigger than this album because this one sort of came and went. Yeah. And nobody really well, caught on to it. Critically, it was like well-beloved and like it got a lot yeah, of great but reviews, but not really commercially just because... I mean, I actually like the big single from this album, Greenlight, more than... It's a great than, song. It's yeah. a great song. Every time that Stand song comes track. on at work, I'd like jam out to it. I'm waiting for it, the Greenlight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dance party. Yeah. No, but I, will, I think my favorite uh, song on the album is The Louvre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Louvre. That's a song that you can really hear Jack Antonoff's influence on the album well i i just think this is a great album front to back i i think she managed to put something together it's very cohesive i think lord just kind of killed it with this record i mean with the help of mr antonov they put something together that sounds new and and uh genuine creative like all these things uh, a great album should be when you're a a pop star that's trying to follow up this big first album with something that's gonna yeah uh, you know be it did fresh. i mean she also got famous at like how old was she like 17 yeah it did really well critically and then i i mean i don't keep track of the charts but i haven't heard that much about it and whenever yeah. i turn on the radio it's not on it um once a, a month okay <laughs> another album we uh all i don't know if we all listen to this but i know thomas the toro y moi yeah. oh. I, Boo boo. Boo boo. I actually bought it. <laughs> Listen to this album with headphones on, and it it's a trip, man. Yeah, man. I actually bought it at Park Ave, and like a local uh, record shop yeah, here. Yeah, they gave me like a promotional band aid with the logo "Boo Boo" written <laughs> oh, on man. it. That's cool. <laughs> it that's was, yeah. I've been. That's the biggest one I've been sleeping on. Yeah, I mean that album to me is just like 
it really shows his work as a producer in terms of I don't know making sounds with synthesizers which I don't know convey like such great sonic atmosphere mm. around you and make you feel immersed in like his emotions about like I don't know this struggle with himself and relationships but I mean it's like you feel it along with the content he actually sings yeah. and it's not like normal songwriting it's more just like drag like dragging you deeper in this cold atmospheric pool of like everything he's facing that's in his life. that's cool though yeah like uh my favorite song on that was i mean it's don't try i think it has it starts with this like booming ass fucking like 80s bass tone i mean that's line. yeah that's what he's that's his old stuff that i'm familiar with it's all about the bass yeah man underneath the pine was yeah. a, a spectacular like instrumental yeah. i didn't know until recently that he worked with tyler the creator yeah he had in the past he's so. in yeah he's in the wolf documentary i mm. want to say and i was like oh huh um i mean and, he's very talented yeah he's a good know? guitarist good producer yeah. obviously yeah and he also worked with the avalanches too on their album this wow year. that's that's a pretty big gig <laughs> yeah yeah in terms so. of like well, production people like worship the avalanches yeah exactly i mean they're the kings of sampling yeah um that's that's cool okay so now this is what i've been looking forward to musics that we used to wait listen to. no 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 Music's we, haven't, with we, we haven't listened yeah to, before we move on what the fuck else do you have no i've 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 even talked about my second favorite album of the year so Did far they, oh man okay all right oh i just want to i just want to coheed no what the fuck coheed <laughs> you think that if a new coheed album came out we wouldn't have already gone over this you, well okay. you probably thought we were all on like our collective that's number two and then we're going to get to number one and that's when you go with your new coheed no we went kind of out of order with these album listings but i just want to give a couple uh, quick shout-outs for my list. For one, my second favorite album of the year, Brand New Science Fiction. I I know you guys have all been sleeping on this album, but I think it's literally, it's the perfect finale for this band. See, I am not sleeping on this album. I'm sleeping to this album. You haven't? How long? Snore. <laughs> no, I, I really think that you have to give this album, like, just I'll, give it a listen. I'll, it's I'll try so it again. good. I listened to it. Front to back, it is amazing. Like, uh. it's... It's really, you can really, like, Jesse Lacey is really telling this personal story about, I mean, because telling, as the albums lead up, Jesse Lacey is really struggling internally with what it's like becoming a rock star. Mm. And this album is him, like, basically saying farewell, just like, I'm leaving all of this behind. I wanted to come all, come back because Daisy was my least favorite brand new album, mm. to be honest. I'd put science fiction probably my second favorite brand new album, whoa right behind devil and god whoa what yeah. about deja nintendo uh i go back and forth between deja and your favorite weapon as being up there devil and god are by far my number one favorite devil and god if we ever do a podcast with our top 10 albums of all time devil and god's up there top five maybe not it'd probably be right around five or whoa. six whoa. yeah you I heard it here first, folks. We got the scoop. All right. Is there any <laughs> other albums that you guys wanted to bring up that you've been enjoying in 2017? Uh, no. Have you guys uh, talked about the new Wax or listened to the new Waxahachie record? No. Uh, I mean, there's a really lot of really good records that came yeah. out this year. I mean, just, just before we before we move on, I, I'll just list some of them off. Manchester Orchestra, Vince Staples, Migos. Oh. And me, and I me, forgot about Migos. Jay-Z, I completely forgot about Culture. Uh, the two Future records, Fleet Foxes, The XX, Sylvan Esso, Future Islands, Hyam, Alt J. Like, there's a I, lot. Uh, of real good real music. quickly, real quickly, I want to talk about Sylvan Esso because Sylvan Esso, I'd actually put as definitely in my top ten, probably my top seven 
six or seven albums of the year, it's delivers and like almost just as dancey. I don't as the think first it's. Sylvanus I don't think record. it's as good as the first one. I think it's almost just as how like I've listened to it probably about ten to fifteen times now, and it grows on you every time that you listen to um, it. We also didn't mention Gucci's album. Oh yeah! Oh, oh see, drop top. Wow. We really put this album, this podcast. Yeah, we together didn't. The last we minute. didn't make listen until like th- thirty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not just that. It's just that there's a lot of really good music that came out this year, and it's really tough to rank yeah. it. You know, I mean, we could spend hours and hours talking about all yeah. these albums, but let's move on to our Can final segment. Can we talk segment. about uh, albums that we're looking forward to? Just real no. quickly. Oh, what? LCD Sound System? LCD Sound System, Front Bottoms, Car Seat Headrest. Ooh. All going to be good albums, and we'll headrest. talk about them on the podcast. But now, let's move on to our final segment. Okay, this. Some good albums from our youth. Or bad albums from our youth. In fact, I, how I want to start is I want us to each go around and say a, a physical album that we had that we're embarrassed to say that we had. Embarrassed? Why yeah. embarrassed? Because it's fun. Okay. And I'm fun. <laughs> I'll start. I used to have a CD, portable CD player, and I only had two albums in there. One of them was Gorilla Self-Titled, which I'm not ashamed of. But there's one that I'm a little ashamed of. You better not say... Backstreet not Boys, say. Millennium. Come on! We all had Millennium on CD. Millennium, yeah, but was it a good album? Millennium and No Strings Attached. I will stand by those It albums, was okay? a good album back then. Don't you fuck... Don't I guess fuck so. I mean, I feel like that album doesn't hold up anymore. It doesn't What's have on to. There? It doesn't have to hold up. Um, okay. The first CD I ever owned when I was about four years old, when I came with my CD player when I got it for Christmas, was Aaron Carter. Ooh. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. That's... And Jump it, on the busy. Yeah, no. It was like the one after that, though. And it, I would be I would be so ashamed if I were it was like <laughs> It was when he was in the throes of like puberty, early puberty, oh. and, and it had a collabo song with the Baja men on it. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of the Baja men, um, that actually talks about. So I had an older sibling, and when you have an older sibling, you kind of inherit a lot of their music. So mm. I also had Millennium, No Strings Attached, the Baja Men album nice. with uh, Who Let the Dogs Out. You're blaming Heather but, right now. But no, no, no. I'm not even because I I'm not gonna deflect this off of her. Probably uh, one of my favorite albums as a child. I'm not really that ashamed of it. Was a One X by Three Days Grace. I knew you were gonna say that. I had have, that too. You have no idea how much that album affected me as a child. In like what, what was, was it? Sixth like, grade, seventh grade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like I, right I, in sixth grade. It, it hit my middle school soul. I had it too back then. I had a poster. Because then Never Too Late, it was on the radio, and he like he vaguely alluded to suicide, and I was like, whoa, whoa, man, that is Dude. edgy. You as can't fun. talk about that. And like I like Three Days Grace a lot because Three Days Grace like. Mm-hmm. My the way that I like them led into a lot of the music that I would go on to listen to in later middle school and stuff that led into my whole emos like phase that I went to where I started listening to MCR, Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy, all this okay. shit that made me me. This is more embarrassing. Based on what Gaia just said in the background, I forgot that when I was about seven, I had all the right reasons by Nickelback. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> It, I mean, I, to a seven-year-old, that's probably the greatest album see, you could own. My 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 cool cousin, my cool older cousin, was super into how you remind me, and I was like, "Oh, I am too, bro." Made it as a wise man. Yeah. So I had that. It had animals, the classic hit. It had someday. Hey, Hunter, do you want to talk about oh, how man. you saw Nickelback live in concert? Okay, we're just gonna really quickly do an aside. That you paid to talk money. About- 
to how, see uh, this band. Gaia, my girlfriend, and I went. Um, <laughs> Do you want to talk started, about it, Gaia? Gaia, you want to hop on the mic? Hop on the mic. Hop on the mic. We're getting a friend of the pod, Gaia. Uh, this on. was Hunter's fault because he never told me if he actually liked them or if uh, he hated them. And so I said, then I'll make you go because you won't tell me the truth. And so we went and it was horrible. Oh, it was so bad. It was but all a bit. It all, actually it all started. Uh, no. It was all a bit until point, the bit though? went too far. Am I alone here? Oh, no, I mean, okay. no, no, I was, I, I no, like their music. I think I Chad Kroger's weird in person. <laughs> what? I no. will say, I will say just to come a little bit to your defense. I never actually owned a Nickelback album, but there was a point in early middle school days where I did get on LimeWire and download me a couple Nickelback songs. <laughs> That's even but cooler. Going, go, going to the show, it was a, uh, it was a bit that went too far, and sometimes bitch just go too far, and then they come back to yeah. cost you money. Sometimes, I spent yeah. more money on alcohol at that show than we did on the Good. tickets for that show. Good. Uh, I'll let you know the only situation I owned a Nickelback song, and that was when I purchased the soundtrack to the Spider-Man to the Spider-Man <laughs> movie, <laughs> and then, oh, well, a hero can save us. us. Yeah. Not gonna stay and like, it's funny, because then I bought the DVD, and it came with a music video, and it's funny, because Nickelback's like performing on a fucking rooftop, and then so Spider-Man's so like, fucking and like, see, the thing is, spraying webs and like, <laughs> that's the most early 2000s thing. <laughs> yeah, that song was actually just Chad Kroger and then some fuck that I don't even know. He's it wasn't, some other it band. wasn't actually a, a full Nickelback song. Yeah, so how dare you? <laughs> well, sorry, I don't you're, know my Nickelback. You're, yeah, you're messing up the Nickelback yeah, cinematic but universe. Thomas, what's an album that you were ashamed to own I mean, from your youth? I, I mean, honestly, I'll tell you first the first album I got. <laughs> Like, which was, like, P. Diddy, which back then he was known as Puff Daddy. And it was a fucking, like, I don't know, it was his single to the Godzilla soundtrack. And it was (laughs) over... Oh, starring Matthew Broderick? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Godzilla 2000. And, like... Sick. And then, like, it it was over... A beat which was over the Led Zeppelin song Cashmere. Yeah, and it's, it was called "Come with Me." <laughs> oh my what? god! Okay, this is all coming back to yeah, me. There yeah. was a music video. Yeah, where, where he, P- he's like, he, that, like same sort of fucking thing. Like he's on a rooftop and then Godzilla's <laughs> fucking. <laughs> oh like, my god! Is this around the city. Was this like a trend? Like everything had to be on a rooftop. Very early two yeah, thousand. It's funny because yeah. like like the wind was like fucking well, flying off his like white suit. <laughs> you know why they do rooftops? Is because it's Tommy. a cheap way to protect. Tenure on the set of the movie where you're like, uh, yeah, you just can't see anything else because we're so you, high up. I thought you were gonna say that it's because of Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, no, the room oh, started. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the room they couldn't even actually shoot it on a fucking roof. Instead, they were like, yeah. let's just well, do a grease. You, screen, do, man. you think they actually shot these things on a roof? <laughs> That's no. a good point. Hunter. No, it's all a green screen. That's what I just said. That's literally what I just you said. Was so did that. Um, yeah, I would buy the genre defining. I would buy that you would have to pay P Diddy double to get him on a roof. <laughs> okay, but like straight <laughs> to that, hold them. Straight to the album. I mean, R.I.P. Chester Bennington, but I owned Hybrid Theory and Fuck listened yeah. to that. Oh shit. yo, like, everyone theory. did. Hybrid Theory is a great album. I'll stand times. by that. I mean, I liked. Yeah. Uh, I actually listened to Lincoln Park up until uh, a place for my head was like my uh, favorite. Track. Minutes to Midnight, Ooh. I think, was the last. Uh, the, the last good song they released was "Bleed It Out." Out. That was yeah, it. Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah, I knew I knew you were gonna say that because it's a great song. We all agree on this. <laughs> okay, one of the first albums I purchased with my own money, "The Killers." Day and Age. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a curveball. Yeah, that's Day not, and Age. Not the Killers album I was expecting you to yeah. say. 
Because, was... uh, I mean, I, I was a big fan of Hot Fuzz and Samsung. I had both of them on my PSP, yeah. but I illegally downloaded them. So oh, I shit. went out and purchased Day and Age because I had enjoyed yeah. the first two. So you wouldn't so get arrested. <laughs> I wanted to support them with my money. I mean, how would you? Uh, how would you rank the, the Killers albums? Uh, Hot Fuzz is definitely the best, okay. and then Samstown. Dude, yeah, okay. so many singles. Up. Yeah, <laughs> underrated is Sawdust. A lot Sawdust. of people think. Oh, the B sides yeah, album. album. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually excited for the new Killers album. I, I'm hoping it's a return to form after the garbage Hopefully. that was Battle. I'm hoping we're not expecting anything good. I wasn't Did you even... ever listen to Battleborn? Yeah, it was it's like really bad. It was like <laughs> it was like what Bleachers does now, a little bit better, which is like trying to be like a modern Springsteen yeah. type deal, yeah, where it's exactly. just like uh, I don't know, I don't really buy it, especially with the Killers. That just wasn't a great album. Well, other uh, albums I had on my little PSP that I uh, listened to on the bus on the way to school. Maroon 5's first two records. Okay. Good. Songs about Jane. Songs about Jane. And it won't be soon. Uh, it won't be soon before long. Before, it's, yeah. It won't be too soon. Some some random collection of words like that. I think it's called It Won't Be Soon Before Long. Songs before uh, songs about Jane was like, I remember that album so vividly and like listening to it in the car. Yeah, no. My like, best friend's it, mom at it. I heard it so. That was, that album was everywhere on the radio as well. Because this love and then um, she will be loved. Every day, every yeah. station. That song, like, that, or I mean, that album, like, transformed the way that I looked at pop music. Because mm-hmm. I was like, before that, I feel like I, like, kind of looked at, like, uh, whenever it was, like, in between that phase of, like, listening to my sister's NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears albums Ooh. into, like, it's listening. It's weird you didn't mention Britney Spears earlier. Oh, God. You know I listen to some Britney and uh, Christine. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> It, it was, like, one of those albums that I was, like, listening to while also being in, like, my, my three days grace phase where I was just like, oh, you know what? Maybe God. pop, album, that was pop peak, albums can be That was good. peak Mobley. That was when you had to meet the guy. And I, I feel sad that I missed out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got into it when it was, like... You you were into ska when we met and then, <laughs> and then Coheed after that. We should just go through, like, the whole, like slew of music that I've listened to in my day. So it much was ska, folks. I got a lot of my taste from Early. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> <Goldfinger>. <laughs> you <got> them. <laughs> Fucking three and four. Listen and to some punk sh- and like ska yeah. and shit. Do you want to know something weird I just found out? Is that Goldfinger was actually a band that was like created by producers. Like they just found members to be in it. It wasn't an organic like what? Yeah. That was, happens a lot actually. Yeah, but you wouldn't think with like a ska band, but they were right. like, hey Scott Scott's having ska a little wave right now. So yeah, then exactly. they just made it and they wrote uh Superman and it got huge. It worked. That's essentially what happened with One Direction. They were all separate contestants on um yeah. the what's it called? The, the X Factor. The British. X Factor. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then uh Simon was like, okay, group up Boys, yeah, you're all one. You guys should all go in <laughs> one direction together. Yep. <laughs> and the rest was history. World War II history. Oh shit. Yeah. Dunkirk. <laughs> that was not a segue to talk about Dunkirk. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> well, we could said. talk about. We could our, talk about non-embarrassing things. We could talk about how much Green Day we used to listen okay. to. Okay. And uh, uh, let's uh let's just memorize. real quickly talk about how uh. Your your main host that you have here today. We're essentially in a Green Day cover band. Oh no! A non acknowledged year old. When we were fourteen, we that was basically all we knew how to do. Just yeah. like any fourteen year old band is, is do power chords, and that's Green Day. Yeah. You know how like just four? Do you want to listen to like a group of fourteen year olds just play all of Jesus of Suburbia in its, in its entirety? Entirety. Well, <laughs> and then as well of like 
about 15 other Green Day songs, because why not? <laughs> they all have the same chords anyways. So hey, just... I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, so oh, yeah, did I. Course. No, I mean, that's honestly probably the most embarrassing thing that we've done of just learning. I mean, we just learned Blink-182 and folks. Day okay, songs. here's a scoop for the folks. If you get on Facebook, you search shenanigans, you wait till you get a band that has us in it. <laughs> you, you go scroll down until you see a video of Hunter and Ernest playing give me novocaine by green day in the, in the guitar uh acoustic in the guitar center acoustic room right yeah yeah give me novocaine. that was a classic and then there's also you two doing damn it that damn one was it, in my it, old it, room it, yeah it. both really sultry yeah. sexy acoustic covers <laughs> where you're just like damn hunter <laughs> oh yeah that's the scoop of the week <laughs> yeah damn it unplugged Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, much. Blink was like first uh, current rock band that I ever got into because of a video game, because of Madden. <laughs> Feeling yeah. this was on Madden. Yo, I won't lie. Like sports video games, actually, like they really influenced the like type of music that I listened to. Because there was like stuff like the Bravery that I got really into. Oh, shit. Phoenix, I first heard on Tony like Hawk's Madden American Wasteland. Yeah, yeah we were Bravery. just talking about Tony Hawk yeah, earlier. Unconditional. Like, I love that fucking song. By Katy Perry. By the Bravery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Not um, yeah, and just in general, those did um, NFL Street. Oh man, NFL Street got it me. It had into... it had no reason by some forty one. Oh Ooh, yeah, I didn't know I had felt angst until <laughs> then. I was nine. You guys, you guys. That was have... actually the the first game that I discovered a tribe called Quest on as well. Yeah, it also yeah. Uh, fun fact. It also had a bit more meaningful. Groups. <laughs> Before that, I was. There's some forty one. Then there's. I was tribe just a Quest. white boy listening to white music. <laughs> Do you guys ever listen to Weird Al Yankovic? Hell yeah, dude. I used to watch. That was some good shit. I used shit. to go on U grounds because they had like oh my god the fucking flash animations, like music videos to fucking his stuff. Like off, what was the album that he made? Like white and nerdy and all that. Shit? Um, oh yeah, um, straight out of Linwood. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great album. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but actually, my fifth grade talent show. <laughs> oh, this, this is gonna be really. My good. friends and I, uh, we did a, uh, we did the the eBay song live <laughs> oh for the god. talent show. Oh, did you uh, win? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like dude, you definitely dude won. we were all winners yeah, okay that's yeah. what i that's what you i was just told. you just sang it like no no no. we had props did you have a oh. <laughs> there was four of us who was it How did including you... fleety the clown i knew it daniel, daniel setliff was part of this shout out oh my god shout out to fleety i would kill for a video of that i would kill kill oh all right guys any Stop. other albums you guys um, wanted to bring up just uh quickly um I will say this is a terrible human being and you guys should not support him and not listen to his music because oh, he's an awful person. Oh, but the very first yeah. hip hop album that I ever listened to was, and that I got really, like really into was the Eminem show. <laughs> Wait, why are you saying he's a yeah, terrible person? I thought you were going to talk about R. Kelly. Are you talking about? Oh, well, I, I didn't know we were talking about like the Space Jam soundtrack. My bad. No, what's so bad about Eminem? What did he Yeah, do? Why, why is he a terrible person? What do he do? He's just a bad guy, dude. He's just... I mean, I know some of his lyrical content is like, <laughs> yeah. controversial, but... He was the original edgelord. Where he was yeah, like, he was yeah, edgelord. I want to kill my baby. <laughs> and we were all like, what? That's crazy, man. <laughs> he was in an Academy Award nominated film. He was the star of it. Yeah. yeah he's the rap guy. <laughs> Oh man! Oh god! I will say no, no, no. The main reason, like one of the reasons I say that is because 
I haven't liked an Eminem album since like oh, what well. recovery. Yeah, I still I, I thought you were gonna say like I mean I still R. Like, Kelly. And recovery wasn't even It that wasn't great. even a good album. Yeah. Say but what it you had will. Like, some tracks on it. That, that's such a or long, relapse. That's such a long time after the peak of his career though. Oh yeah. He yeah. totally no. changed the game, I think. I think back well, then, Dr. Yeah. Dre The Eminem show, I love that whole album. Yeah. Like I just think that album is amazing. That, I listened to that shit in elementary like, school. So, yeah. No, I thought it was so hard it, going into fucking like fourth grade, fifth grade, just listening yeah. to like, I think my dad's going crazy. Oh my God. Hey kids. Oh, Do you like violence? That's a great song. <laughs> or Haley's song. Just so many yeah. like good like it kind of it, it it was songs that really made you think as to like what you would consider good music because you know it was a good time listening to these, but he's rapping about these horrible things. It's like, what, what should I be feeling right yeah. now? Like, should I, I be scared? I, don't know. I never understood anyone who thought that that was all like real. It was he was literally yeah. a character. Well, yeah, yeah. but I and there are people that don't understand that on the first listen you know especially because yeah once you start <laughs> to children. get yeah ex- exactly because well, if you just hear it in passing you're like uh who's that why is he alive yeah i mean I exactly just, I but just if don't... you know who eminem is and what he's all about I obviously just, i just couldn't even follow him back <laughs> i was just like it sounds good don't know what he's singing about but i like words it. <laughs> on the rhythm i just go to school and be like yeah let's just like recite those lines we heard and that's yeah. all just so we could have some sort of sense of I don't know comfort. Did you <laughs> guys? Did noticed. you guys ever go through an emo or a scene phase? Yes. No, I did. I mean, Describe like some of the bands that you would listen to in your emo scene phase. Um, in eighth grade, I straightened my hair. I'll say that. First. Ooh. No, hey, it's okay. I, I straightened my hair from. Time you just time. wanted to say that regardless of whatever I just, album I just was felt connected like it's been, to it. It's been killing me all night. I did it in tenth and eleventh grade, so I was a fucking loser. Nice, but <laughs> I'm not alone. I mean. I didn't really listen to a lot of scene music oh, or anything. I listen, what I, about like MCR? I just listened, I just listened like to Interpol. <laughs> okay, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Then, uh, that counts, I guess. You're, <laughs> They're more you're like you were like an already like a college age kid listening, going yeah. through their emo phase. I had yeah, yeah mine was MCR, was uh, like brand new, <laughs> and then like a day to remember. Yeah, well, the Black Parade is Taking an Back incredible Sunday. album. Oh yeah, I I'll be honest. I think Three Cheers for Superman just kind of it's my favorite. It's what was that? You album. said you like moved away from the mic. Oh no, I was I was just saying like the first MCR. Album. It's because he knows what he's saying. Yeah. Dude, no, okay. Are you ashamed to like My Chemical Romance? Yeah, he's ashamed to like Three Cheers more than Black Parade. Oh, no, I right. think I think Three Cheers is a better album than Black Parade. Fuck, there was another album that I was going to talk about. Um, Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, <laughs> A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, and it's um, a masterpiece. Infinity on High were like uh, iconic albums. From one of the Cork Tree is better. Don't at me. Don't. You fucking do this, Drew. I fight about this with everyone. From Under the Court is their best album. Because if you ever talk to any kind of real, like, yeah, you Shut talk up. to basic ass people, they'll be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, From Under the Court is better. I also like new Fallout Boy better than the old stuff. That's, like, that's, what I, that's exactly what I say. <laughs> no, no, but um, have you heard the newer than that? Fall oh, no. Boy? No, no actually. It's like Champion? dubstep. Mixed with Fallout Boy. <laughs> mixed with fuck? new Fallout Boy. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Hey, hey, hey. I'm just going to come real quick to Fallout Boy's defense here. I like that they're going in a different direction from the new stuff. And uh, I like the second single, Champion, more than Young and Menace. Also, something else, be, of them. something else to be uh, <laughs> more excited about is that Pete and Patrick announced that they were planning on coming out with an album this year and they're pushing it back because like they both weren't really satisfied with the sound and 
the mm. amount, like just the way that the album felt. So they're taking it back to the studio, reworking some stuff. So that yeah. makes me more excited. Are you still I on like some like old Fall Out Boy forum? I like, on, like I, AIM. <laughs> you mean my girlfriend Gaia, who plugs me in on all the latest Fall Out Boy information? Nice. Obvi, nice. come on. <laughs> um, and uh, also, I should note that I'm seeing Fall Out Boy in a couple months. So huh. we are seeing Fall Out Boy in a couple months. Uh oh, where? In uh, Miami, Tampa? No, Tampa. Tampa, yeah. Hmm. You're just driving somewhere. Yeah, and they'll fall out, but it will just be there. They'll just fall Yeah, out. no, well, okay. <laughs> so I added Patrick, and I was like, yo, bro, private show. And he was like, got you, dog. He's like, only in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you live? Orlando? Fuck that. You're going Tampa. to Tampa. Yeah. It's like, I'm only going to be in Tampa for like four hours. Just meet me at this hotel, and I'll play your show. Oh, it quotes, play your show. Um... Speaking of horrible, like early two thousands bands trying to modernize, the worst song I've heard in my life, no exaggeration, is "Blackout" by Linkin Park. I know it's not the right time to say this. Oh, I thought Ooh, you were gonna say soon. LFO. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care about what? Blackout. I thought he was gonna yeah, say LFO. That. It's it's. What, what album was bad. that off? That one. It was either the newest, newest one or the one before that. Oh, okay. Like, I don't care about that shit. It's, it's unbelievable. Just about hybrid theory and Meteora. Yeah, Chester, <laughs> Chester killed reanimation. himself years ago. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> dude! It was funny because <laughs> I was too fucked up. I was reading like the Wikipedia for One More Light the other day, like, and it was just how I don't know Chester and Mike Shinoda would just like backlash against reviewers saying like that they I don't know like, well, like we not, did it for us. Not, it was yeah, not directly that they sold out, but just that they I don't know. I don't know if it's they, selling out if just everyone hates it. It has to be like so hard for like, a band like that though, like a band that made it years and years ago and now they're just trying to be stay relevant just so that they I can mean, make money. Like it's really sad if you think about you it. You want just, some proof? Uh Chester Bennington. Not <laughs> well, exactly. That's the thing is that like not all artists and bands can always like change and evolve their their music with the changing I mean, times to make themselves stay. Yeah, relevant. some should just fucking stop. But that, they don't what do you when. do? What do you do with your life after? I don't that know. Point? Get a freaking hedge fund uh, manager. Invest in stocks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Write like, it out to be boring. But I mean, how young was like most of these bands? Whenever they got popular, like they're like kids basically. They don't know how to fucking I know. manage finances just, and stuff. And it's sad. Like I now mean, they're just the thing in is, their thirties or forties and they're broke and they don't know what to the do. The thing is, you can still evolve musically and actually keep up with what's going on in the current scene. But not <laughs> everyone can. I mean, technically, if they like it and if they're still enjoying themselves, it's, that matters more. I feel like music but, goes so much deeper than yeah, just like continuing with the same sound. I mean, um, oh no, I'm not saying that. I think that bands should constantly be evolving their sound just because nobody wants to listen to the same album come out five times okay, in a row. Speaking <laughs> of which, the most depressing footage of anything I've seen this year was your snapchats of the nickelback show and just like and just how unironic the people were no who were there. just chad yeah just chad they're playing the guy who was on stage singing okay Rockstar. okay let me let me quib the yeah the quick, jeans that were quick, a quick in denim spelled out nickelback on two matching girls two jeans. different girls but i just want to give uh the worst part about that show so uh during Rockstar. they brought up two uh two lucky fans to come up and help sing the words it was by far the most cringy shit I've ever seen in my life. Because, meanwhile, there's this one dude up there who doesn't know how songs work and, like, 
how with a guy up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, yeah, no. and he's just saying the words in like a beat. Yeah. And he's like, they all get because they just won't eat. And, <laughs> and then meanwhile, there's a girl up there who's like, clearly she's really drunk. And like at the end of the song, Chester's like, hey, everybody, make sure she gets home safe. Don't make her drive. Huh? You said Chester. You meant Chad. Chad. I'm sorry. R. I'm R. sorry, P. Chester. I didn't R. mean that. Chester. Chad. Spoiler. I'm sure you guys wouldn't have guessed <laughs> this, that Chad Kerger is a fucking creep. <laughs> what? Nobody could have guessed that. But. I thought he would last with Avril Lavigne. What? Look at this graph. Oh, what, no. what, what's the creepy thing about him? I haven't heard any stories or he's seen any like, tabloids. Or he's, oh, he's in <laughs> I, I I know that already, but like besides that, I, I know, mean, I'm joking. You can just tell with just like his mannerisms, and I don't think I ever really listened to the lyrics of Nickelback songs until you're like at a live performance and they're being sung right at your face. But it's all like just really like what what does what kind of mannerisms? Man. I'm con- I'm just he curious was thrusting though. his hips the entire show directly toward like man, a fourteen year old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 that too. So like you're talking about little kids, but also they're hot moms. Oh, he's talking. So yeah, I don't know if that Good got picked up, but guy was saying that he was talking a lot about milfs. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, wait. At a hey show. What, 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 at a gig. I like got- right before he talks about like, oh yeah, so I'm talking with my wife about some stuff, and you're like, ah. Wait, whoa. <laughs> and you, wait, and so what was what was his like sort of statement towards the milfs in the audience like? Um, You're all I've got, ladies. What what was he imploring? Please stay. (laughs) You know what? I'm not going to spoil it. Buy yourself a ticket next time they come into town. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, No, it was just a bad show. Also, I should say Daughtry opened up. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, you should say that. That's worth noting. <laughs> it was he had like at least Nickelback had some semblance of stage presence. It was uh, bad stage presence, but it was there. Daughtry didn't do anything. He just stood there. He was like, "I'm getting paid to tour with my favorite band, Nickelback," and you could tell they never really meant it. Yeah, no. He's like, "Who, who <laughs> wouldn't want that, right?" Like he doesn't know. <laughs> he also Nobody. kept making this bad joke of like talking oh, about man. being on American Idol, but he was saying American Ninja Warrior instead. And everybody in the crowd is like, is he making a joke right now? Yeah. Is this, was he actually on American Ninja Warrior? And it was. He it thinks was... that we know what's going on with him. <laughs> it's like, I swear I wasn't on that show. <laughs> That's sort of joking. Man, artists it. that couldn't stay relevant. How much were the tickets? About... How much were they, Gaia? What? Are you How sure you want to know? Um, $25. Fees, like maybe $30 each. 30 each. Yeah, I spent more on alcohol That's, than that. So That's... I'm That's... happy. $20 that you will never get oh, back. Oh, once in a lifetime experience. And guess what? I'd see like Smash Mouth or somebody too. Oh, me Don't too. hold me to that. Do not hold me to that. Do not hold me to that. Smash no. Mouth is coming to that town. That was a meme and I will admit it now because I don't want the bit to go too far. <laughs> I'll see Smash Mouth. Oh, you'll see. What oh. about if the LFO tribute yeah. band comes into town? What are they No, called? dude. Rich is, Rich is dead. He's dead. Man, I wonder how. Fun. Why? How did we talk about songs from my childhood and we didn't talk about Summer Girls? Because that was more of a recent. That was something. That was something that made you feel on the block, had like a, bunch a child. Of hits, Chinese. That was written by a child. <laughs> you felt like a child while listening to that. It brought <laughs> like, back memories. Where, it's, you. it's like when you're a child and you don't understand anything. You don't understand that song. When did you first hear All Star when you were a child? From the Digimon movie or uh, from Shrek? Shrek? No, no, Digimon because you know it also. What other band and song I discovered from the Digimon movie? What? Uh, less than Jake. Oh, dude, that's true. Jake, Jake, that is a way. Got me in my skull. 
<laughs> Underrated was uh, Smash Mouth's cover of I'm a Believer. Oh, yeah, on Shrek it, it was yeah. on Shrek 1, though, right? Yeah, on the DVD or some shit. Yeah, it was on yeah, the face. Oh yeah, Nick- fuck you, the monkeys. Yeah, fuck the monkeys. <laughs> oh yeah, Nickelodeon had a music video for the yeah for the I'm a Believer cover. <laughs> I remember, and they were like in some tur- circus tent or some shit. I never <laughs> even knew that that was a cover until like. Year, until like a year or two until ago, until like maybe? five minutes ago, no, <laughs> until not in like thirty seconds ago. No, yeah, like, no. Like I looked up, I'm a believer at work one day for the sweet mims, and the monkeys and came and up. The monkeys came up, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" Oh and then I was god. like, "Oh my god, oh this is the real." The monkeys were the original meme band. They literally had a comedy TV show starring them in the '60s. <laughs> they were ahead of their time. Then Smash Mouth as the modern meme. Well, Smash Mouth is more of an accidental meme band. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they they did. I don't it think they were accidentally memes. in meme. At least it happened later during their career. You know? Yeah, it, yeah. It happened <laughs> now they have really found themselves. They'd already yeah. cashed all the Astro yeah. Lounge checks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might as well be walking on this crash. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should wrap it up, boys. Can you uh, close it with some? Uh, oh, I well, got, let's uh, let's do some plugs real quick. Oh, wait, um, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give some as quick we shout sign outs. off. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters and the Instagrams at Calderonist. You can email us at my email, calderonernest at gmail.com. Also, hit us up on our Instagram at We Bought a Mic. You can DM us there with uh, any questions or suggestions you may have. I, uh, I want to give a quick plug, of course. My name is Hunter Mobley. You can follow me at Hunt Mobley. H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. I'm new on the Twitter scene. Much like Damien Chazelle. A lot of similarities that we share. (laughs) That's Um, one of many things. uh, You both like La La Land. Also, want to make a big announcement to our listeners that we will be doing a Combo Doggy episode this week in Tallahassee. It's our first travel episode. We're going to go up to... We're on tour already. We're on tour. Yeah, I mean, we're basically like the Beatles. We're gonna be playing. We're gonna be playing a show, if you will, <laughs> a show with no a audience, gig. and we're not we're not playing music with Northeast Tallahassee's biggest film podcast. I think that's a that's a bold but safe <laughs> statement. The Snyder Colin podcast. Yes. If Snyder you're a bigger film Colin. podcast Shout out than to Northeast the boys. Tallahassee, please message us on Twitter. So, what do you want to plug, Thomas? Uh, our guest. I mean, I don't have much to plug except uh, you could follow me on my IG, you know, uh, T O H underscore P underscore D U Z underscore I T. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll plug it, it up. In, yeah. We'll link to it in the description. I don't know about you guys, but I remember all of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, also, shout out to our fans that we have here. We actually have a live studio audience. A live studio audience. Everybody scream. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, it looks like Hunter has already queued up a little goodbye song for us. Oh, Is it going to be the same thing? Wait, or are wait, you going to change wait, wait. it up? Oh, oh. It's, it's going to be the good eye sniper. Oh, that no. Coheed song. Everybody just make noises because I actually have the perfect He thing changed in mind. his mind because I, I had to say something about playing Or Welcome am I Home going? Again. No, no, no. <laughs> This Honest song is brought to you by Little Bow Wow. This song right. is brought well, to you by it's this been... song. Oh my god. No, that's goofy. Kyle, that's incredible. <laughs> well, folks, uh, we won't see you next week. 
Well, things start coming and don't stop coming. Back to the rules when they hit the ground running. It didn't make sense.